Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shiur. We are on the last days of Hanukkah. Yomtev, which many people confuse and don't see and don't know and don't understand exactly how the Yomtev size the Yomtev. Do we wear big day Shabbos? No. We don't wear the garments of Shabbos. Um, are we allowed to drive? We're allowed to drive. We're allowed to talk on the phone. We're allowed to, we're allowed to do everything in the mundane world. We're allowed to go to work. So where's the umtif? Where's the umtif? Some say on the scale. On the scale because <laughs> we're eating latkes, eating donuts. It's on the scale, that's where we see the umtif. That's where the umtif comes into play. Hanukkah has a very strong message. A little bit of light pushes away the strongest of darkness, the depth of darkness. Darkness is not a, <laughs> obviously not a good place to be. Many people tend to find themselves in the dark. Many people tend to dwell in the dark. And they find this is always a bleak picture. And they find everything is going everything around them is going wrong. What could possibly be going right? Like the wink of an eye, things turn around. A person was talking to the other day and he was saying how bleak the situation looks. Now everything is horrible and this and that and everything. And all of a sudden the next day, a fellow calls up and says, Let me put let me let me pull you out a little bit, let me get your tow truck over here and put put a hook you up a little bit and pull out the first cog, pull out the first headache that you have. Take relieve you of the first major severe problem. Honestly, I don't believe they ever met each other. I don't believe the two people ever met ever met each other, and yet, quite literally, from opposite ends of the world, the pull, the fellow pulled. Not a rabbit out of his hat. Not at all. It was a financial problem, a little bit. And whose money is it? Whose money are we talking about over here?
but that cloud got lifted. It didn't get lifted. It got dispersed. We have, if you ever walked in the fog, the very thick fog, you could feel it. It's tangible. Or if you ever sat in a fog, pre-dawn, and as the sun comes out, you quite literally see the fog lifting or spreading. Light in the fog, you take a very strong flashlight or headlights of a car, sometimes it reflects and becomes very strong light and it's unbearable, and at times it just shines its way through it. We need to know that we all end up sometimes somewhere, somehow in fog. We're human beings. We're bus of Adam. Flesh and blood. But we also need to remember we were put on this world for a purpose. We are Neshama Beguf. And without being a Neshama Beguf and a soul in a body, we have no existence. And we all have our personal mission. Sometimes we experience our personal mission. We meet it. We face it head on. And we conquer it. And we move on. We persevere. We forge ahead. Sometimes we allow it to consume us. We allow allow it to take us over. Hanukkah's message is not there's light at the end of the tunnel, there's light in the middle of the tunnel. There's no such thing as darkness. <coughs> so much so that we light our later. And it's not just symbolic having a Menera. It's important that every home has a Menera. And therefore, it becomes even a Shaila if a person comes home. Shkhanarach says, if a person comes home late at night, and the whole base, the base are all sleeping, and there's no concept of Pirsume Nisa whatsoever, there's a Shaila if he can make a Bracha. The question is whether he can make a blessing and not in the Menera. What if there is Menera lit and you put your Menera by a window for, and then you don't know who will walk by, what lone soul will walk by and see suddenly the five, the six candles lit. So then you have again the obligation of a Bracha. When you yourself come home and have a question whether or not <clears throat> to light the Meneda, that in itself is already the darkness that you don't belong in. And therefore, in order to lift that darkness, in order to alleviate, to push away that darkness, you have an obligation with a bracha to light the Meneda. 
One needs to hear or see or be by the lighting of a menorah. And if they weren't, they need to light their own. Can a man be to other men? Yes. Can a woman be to other women? Yes. Preferably, a man of the house lights the menorah. But the Rebbe said that everyone in the house could and should light. We don't have the women lighting the menorahs also. Some do, I'm sure, but it's not necessary. In some houses you get there's five or six candles to be lit. Some each a child or each pair each other girl or woman gets to light one of the candles together with the person lighting. But the idea of Meneda, the idea of Hanukkah. Sorry, not the idea. The mitzvah of Hanukkah is Bener, with a candle. Preferably a candle of oil. As we light that menorah, we light that candle, we take our own darkness. We go out of our own dark place in which we found ourselves, which we felt we could not, there was no way, no, no return. A place where I just cannot, I'm not coming back from. A place where I just cannot recuperate from. I cannot get out of that funk, as they call it in America. Tells us Hanukkah, no. Not only is your Meneda illuminating your darkness, you're not allowed to even use your Meneda. What does that mean? You can't sit by your Meneda in a dark room and read from the lights of the Meneda. You can't have any physical use, pleasures of the use of the candle of the lights of the Meneda. So the candles themselves are there just to be seen. Just to be seen. What am I seeing? If I can't use light, I'm seeing the message of the Meneda. The message of Hanukkah. Yes, there are traditions to eat dairy because of a miracle. To eat fried because of the oil, which ultimately interprets usually into latkes or into donuts or both. Was I yetsa with Hanukkah if I didn't eat a latke? Good question. It's a good question. Latka has a lot more significance than it makes than it, we, than it sounds like. A lot more significance. But some people can't take the potatoes. Some people are not allowed to eat potatoes. Some people are not allowed to eat fried. Some people are not allowed to eat etc. 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 
But we need to figure out what we can work out to compromise the traditional foods be eaten. I have a child that's lactose intolerant. Nice fancy way of saying allergic to milk. Dangerously allergic to milk. He can't touch it. He can't can't spill on him. He can't... Nothing. He used to carry an EpiPen. And I'm sure he is not a single person. (laughs) One of the most craziest of the pictures. You see two containers of milk standing and talking to each other. And there's another milk, another container that says soy milk. And one of the milk says to the other, he must be that Spanish cousin. In Spanish, soy means I am. There's all different compromises of how they use milk and what they use and what you can use and what kids, what's for the lactose intolerant and for the this and for yens. You don't have to always drink black coffee. Gets it. That doesn't mean you have to drink coffee at all. But it definitely doesn't have to always be black. There's solutions today beyond. And my answer, whether something that I'm eating with almond milk, is that considered milchik? It's not considered milchik. The dairy part is something that a person has to be able to, has to be allowed to physically eat and congest and, and ingest. If chas it harms the person, then there's no reason for it. If it just doesn't agree with you and afterwards uh, your stomach hurts or whatever it might be, <laughs> America, they say, take one for the team. So yes. Does it have to be every night? No. If you do it one night to just be Yetzer, that you had your milk eggs, and then you pay your price afterwards, whatever it is, and then you just move on in life, so be it. Tradition is extremely, extremely important. It's not something to be made away, to push to the side. Focusing back on the concept of coming out of the darkness, we find both Hanukkah and Miketz, which we'll discuss soon, the Pasha of the week, since this Shabbos already will no longer be Hanukkah. Although, interesting traditions, I'm just wondering how many people will leave their menorahs out over Hanukkah, over Shabbos. Because the last light, last night is Thursday night, which means Friday is still Zeitz Hanukkah, and many have a tradition to have Zeitz Hanukkah in sitting at the table still. You don't take it away until after Hanukkah goes out. Once Hanukkah goes out, Shabbos will go out. Shabbos goes out, Shabbos comes in. When Shabbos comes in, a person can't touch the menorah. So how many menorahs will stay over Shabbos? But it won't be Shabbos Hanukkah. So therefore we really need to focus more on the Pasha itself. But since we are talking here on Wednesday, in the middle of Hanukkah, the sixth light of Hanukkah, <coughs> 
tonight, Wednesday night, is the seventh night. <coughs> Therefore, we'd be amiss not talking about Hanukkah at all. Many don't know this. There's a Megillah, which is not read as a Megillah. It's not like a Purim or Kehelas, Shirashirim. It's called Megillah, nonetheless, called Megillah's Antiochus. Yes, it sounds like something that they would make as a comic book. But it's not one of the 24 Kisir Kedish. But it's brought down to the Paiskim. And few and far between, obviously, but there are those that do read it. Kim is going home and Dalaram and talks about this. What is the Indian of Megillah? What is the whole idea of it? Especially since we're trying to compare Hanukkah to Purim. The Megillah of Antiochus to Megillah Sester, which Megillah Sester is a mitzvah to hear with a bracha. From one side, Hanukkah and Purim are similar because they're both mitzvahs established by the sages. The Rambam brings down both of them, as we said before, you're allowed to work. This brings down Shachan Whereas, on the other hand, Megillus Esther is one of the 24 in and it's a mitzvah to read it on Purim. tells us that. It's a mitzvah to read the Megillah on Purim. Whereas Megillah Santiachus has no chedek in the Kisve Kedish, and there's no mitzvah to read it any time in Hanukkah. However, Hanukkah and Purim, as we spoke now, both amplify the mitzvah, both amplify the concept of turning darkness to light. Purim, as we know, is Vinahafachu. Gilles Esther says, Periktes, Pazak Aleph, Vinahafachu, turning everything over. The decree of Haman was turned over in the place where the, the Goyim wanted to hurt the Jews. And the Jews conquered their enemies, Hanukkah as well. We have the darkness turned over into light as the Greeks came into the sanctuary and they desecrated all the oils we spoke about last week of the sugi of my Hanukkah and then the miracle that the they were given over strong in the hand of the weak and were ultimately the impure in the hand of the pure. 
But now the difference mitzvahs of Purim has in Hanukkah. Mitzvah Purim is always, remains, everything remains in the realm of Kedusha, reading of a Megillah, Shleach Monas, Matanas even the meal, the festive meal, these are all mitzvahs that are done in-house, as we say, or in shul, but all in the realm of Kedusha. Even the Simcha of Ezekiel, as Gemara says, of reaching to a point of celebration where a person doesn't know the difference between the cursing of Haman and the blessing of Barachai. All this, though, remains in the realm of Kedusha. Whereas Hanukkah, it's been established for generations, to light the Meneda, to light up from inside the out, the outside, the streets. We light the candles by the doorway of our house for the outside. More so, Tezchidus explains that this, the symbolic part of the fact that the sages established this, the lighting the Meneda, until the last people of the streets are walking the streets which means to say that the candles of Hanukkah the lights of Hanukkah are the ones that light the way the path for all those that have trodden away from HaKadosh Baruch Which means to say, as Purim, we turn over the Cheshach, we turn over the darkness to light, in the realm of Kedusha itself, comes Hanukkah and turns over the world, on the outside world, to Kedusha. Hanukkah brings light of Kedusha to the Shusharabim, to the public domain. The public domain, everyone should see it. Even the Goyim, even the non-Jews. They see the candles. And Hanukkah therefore turns over the darkness of within us to a light and turns over the bad to good. I'm sure the wonderful world of WhatsApp everybody gets all the videos and all the news from out throughout the world by a Hanukkah celebration, annual celebration that still happens in Poland, the Machshem of Zakram. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the fellow's title is, a minister, whatever he is. Extremely anti-Semitically attacked the Menera with a fire extinguisher. Now, I'd love to say that he had a lucid moment. Yeah, he cracked up, he, he flipped out, he whatever it might be. He saw fire, maybe he's traumatized from fire somewhere. Hence the uh, reaction. But we all know. And if you do get to watch the, the clip of the video, you'll see the sinner and the hatred that wells up in this person.
not being able to tolerate the sanctity of the Meneda being lit and lighting up and illuminating in a mall or wherever it was, all those around him. All those around the Meneda. Around her, probably, would say. This was too much for this guy to be able to. But I'm not sure if he was a guy. That's my worst part. But this person could not take the Kedusha of this Meneda, of the light of this Meneda, illuminating for the people, the passerbys, Jews and non Jews alike. And everybody that was there protested what he was doing. And there was one woman that, woman that came pushing him away. I'm not sure who, who she is in this picture. Pushing him away from the Mineta. They relit the Mineta afterwards. And he was taken out. But this goes to show us how strong is the light. How strong is the burning light of the Mineta. That it's not something that's just a significant, that a little candle on the top of a, of a branch. Something that kindles everyone around it. And it, the opposite of Kedusha, the Klippa, goes bananas from it, goes berserk. And you can see the way the man literally is going berserk, running with his fire hydrant. He turns it on, he comes running towards the Mineta to put out the Mineta. The uh, fire extinguisher. It'd be pretty funny if you were running a fire hydrant. So this, therefore, we explain why the Megillah of Purim is called Megillah's Esther, and for Hanukkah is called Megillah's Antiochus. The idea of Purim is within the home, keeping the kedusha itself, keeping the sanctity with the shul, with the home, and the Megillah is called Esther which Esther comes from the word Hester, which is hidden. Whereas on the other hand, Hanukkah, which is the idea of turning over the darkness of the world, of the outside world, to light, and to bring about the world itself good, therefore it's called the Ness of Antiochus, which shows the impurity of the Greeks that wanted to turn over to good. Therefore, the days of Hanukkah, we see to it to reach out to every Jew to turn over the Chishach from within, to bring it to the outside and to take the Chishach from the outside and turn that over to Ur of Kedusha, to Ur, to light and to sanctity. Still so much so that the Hanukkah should be something that the world itself knows and sees. And this causes a tremendous revolution, literally. As you see it, every mall and everything, as much as the anti-Semitism now is flagrant, is firing on the streets. And people are petrified to start walking, the people are taking mezuzahs off their own doors, so nobody should know that the Jew lives here. We're going back, we're reverting back to the 1930, to 35. Chmanul Tzlan. I'm not being a voice of doom, Chassel. I'm just saying how the Goyim are once again trying to rear their ugliness, trying to rear their hatred. 
And we have to take this and we have to turn this over with the light of Hanukkah and turning this over from the exile to Geula. And then it will be as Efechel Amim Safa Beruda Likri Kulam Bishem Avayel of the Shechem Echod, the Vias Mashiach, the Kenan Bekar of Mamish, will all talk the language of Hashem and all will dwell once again in Yerushalayim Irakadish. Another famous unfortunate, I'm not telling you any Chesidishim basis, all the Shtusim of Alam that are going on in the world. We saw Yad Hashem, we saw the Abish's hand, where this horrific, horrific, I don't want to give him a credence and call him anti-Semite. I'm labeling him, yeah, maybe I'm labeling the person. Maybe he has a personal vendetta, a bone, or whatever it might be. He was traumatized in some way, and therefore his childhood trauma is coming up. He got up in, I believe it's in Turkey, in their parliament. They're all Muslims there. And they're screaming out and calling how the revenge of their, whatever their cause, and they want to call it, and whatever their God they call it, everything else, will the wrath will come down on the Jews, and how the Jews are horrific, and how the Jews are terrible, and they're going to get punished. And as he's screaming and ranting, he had a heart attack. (laughs) So whoever you tell the story to, the first question is, did he die? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. He was treated. They took him out. And they, they definitely, he was still alive. He didn't die on the spot for sure. They took him out to treat him. He has diabetes. He has this. He has that. Whatever the cause of the heart attack or the collapsing. But bottom line, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is watching over us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has his right hand on our shoulder and therefore when we feel that the burden is too great and our, pack, our peckle is too hard too severe and too, too harsh the manteda just know that if we turn to HaKadosh Baruch we turn to Hashem we open our tilim and we say a capital tilim and Adraba if there's somebody that you care for you'll say the capital, their capital tilim and if it's somebody you can't find anywhere, a place in your heart for them, maybe you should also say the capital to them to be able to find. But we need to dispel the darkness, and the darkness needs to not only be dispelled, not only are we driving away the darkness, we need to bring in the light, which is more important even than driving away the darkness, is lighting up and illuminating a world that is unfortunately suffering, that's unfortunately groveling, and is hitting, has hit rock bottom, and the only solution now is the light of Mashiach Tzidkenu, and our children that are falling in the battle of protecting Yisrael, protecting Am Yisrael, They're all condition. 
maybe she should help that they all, everybody else should be able to come back in one piece, Bishnemus, Gizun Tehet, and we should fulfill the mission, and fulfill the ultimate mission, where light is being lit, Menedas are being lit in the darkest parts of Gaza, where bracha hasn't been made in years, decades, and now there are tall menedas placed, and menedas in windows, menedas in houses. <laughs> and again, I don't know if I said last thing, my favorite little clip that they have going around is the guy standing outside in, in Gaza, soldiers standing there screaming, Mincha, Mincha, Minyan, Atenta, Atenta. He's looking for his tenth guy for his Minyan for Mincha. So when we see that in the darkest places when literally the, dark, the most severe darkness came from and had gotten into the Klippus, Klippus Nega don't give it so much credence Klippus Nega even has a, a good part to it this has nothing in those places now they've been turned over with light not just light, light of Meneda Light of Yiddishkeit, light of Yidden, putting on tefillin, dabbling with a minion there, saying Baruch Hu Shemei and Amen. They de- they designated an area. I think it, was, it must have been a dried up pool. They said this is going to be the new mikveh, waiting for the rain to fall. Some are having fun there. And then those that are Chaman are falling. Literally, Akilish Hashem. Hashem Yudish Damam. And Hashem should have Aliyas. And we should ultimately experience the victory The Kal Yisrael awaits. The ultimate victory where we will light again the Meneda. And God will light the Meneda in the base Hamidash, Ashnishi, and Yerushalayim and Akedish will all be together. Once again, Shechem Echad. <clears throat> a dream. It's all about a dream. I had a dream. We all have dreams. Some of them are by day and some of them by night. Mostly at night. But some do by, dra- by day as well. They sit, we sit and daydream. We have a solution to everything. We have a solution to the world, to world problem, world economy, in our dream. We sit and dream it by day. We sit and dream about nachas from the children, nachas from the grandchildren. We sit and dream sometimes about, some of us dream about our basherta, who is our basherta, where will I meet my basherta, when will I meet that person to spend the rest of my life with it will be the father and mother of my children we dream do we have time to dream obviously we sleeping we dreaming by day we should obviously be doing something more proactive than just dreaming to make our life more of a giving it more value more spunk 
Last week's Pasha finished off with dreams. This week's Pasha begins with dreams. Dreams of Parit this week, Parit Melech Mitzrayim. And he has the, the dream of the oxes and the dream of the stalks. And how they swallow each other up. But not the good, not the good ones swallow the bad ones, but rather from the opposite. And not only swallowed it, but nothing came of them. It wasn't shown upon them. The ultimate dream of, a, of an average woman. I should be able to eat a full heavy cow and not get fatter. Not gain weight from it. Or a good stalk of wheat. I mean, we're talking about either a pizza pie or a bagel or piece of cake or a donut, whatever it might be, and not gain weight. Wow! That's a dream in its own. <laughs> Yosef comes out of jail, out of the prison, out of a, again, it's referred to as a bird, as another ditch that he found himself in. Interprets the dreams, as he did in the last week's parasha, And now, Yosef's dreams that he had at the beginning of last week's parasha come into fruition. Yosef dreamt of becoming king. Parai dreamt of the good years of his nation and then ultimately the hunger. Yosef HaTzadik's dreams represent Olam HaGadusha, the world of sanctity, holiness, whereas Parai are the opposite. Try to examine slightly the difference in the dreams. Firstly, the dreams of Yosef begin with a pu'ula, something that was done People were working. They were taking the stalks of wheat. They were gathering the wheat, gathering the stalks. Pare's dream, he does nothing. He's standing there like a glump on the, on the, by the beach of the whatever it is of the water. And all this takes place. cows, the stalks, they do themselves. Where well, he had to do nothing to put, he didn't have to think of, put a finger in cold water for all the blessings that were taking place. Whereas when it comes to Kedusha, the dreams of Yasef, which were holy dreams, one needs to toil, one needs to work on this to gather the stalks. And since this is ultimate good, we therefore learn that there's no good that comes about. No good deed goes unpunished. For there's no good comes about without a person actually working on it. A, a nickname, as they use, for Bread of chesed is lechem busha. Bread of humbleness. 
And we don't really have that much pleasure from it. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu established that real, true good comes dafka through toil, through working on it, through involving on it, being involved in it. Whereas the Shefa, the everlasting flow from the other side, is not everlasting at all. It's a JPT, just passing through. It happens, it goes, and it comes and it goes. Money comes, money goes. And therefore, it doesn't even have to happen. Uh, it didn't have to have any work. He had seven fantastic years where the wheat and everything was the harvest were phenomenal. Better than they could ever have been. And then all of a sudden, boom, they became zero. Zero production. Not just a zero production that we understand, that we think, that we imagine, we know what it means. A zero production that had Yosef not come to play, had Yosef not stored and put everything the way, away the way it was supposed to be put away, they would have starved to death. The whole nation would have died. There was nothing. There was total devastation. No growth. No... I mean, literally, you have to try to think what nothing means. If you can picture what nothing means, it's not nothing any longer. It's no longer nothing. It becomes an entity. It becomes a something. Another difference in the dreams of Yasef, it went from below to above, went up, up the ladder. Whereas Pari, it goes from above down, where it was great and then it drops. The dreams of Yasef also begin with the stalks of wheat, and they're bringing them together. They're taking them together. They're toiling with them. And then he has a second dream. The sun and the moon and the stars. He goes up. He goes up from the mundane world to the heavenly world. Whereas Pari starts with the oxen, which is Chai. Demim Tzmeach Chai Medaver. But Chai is underneath the Medaber, which is the person. And then he goes to the stalks of wheat, which is Semeach, which is down a level. Showing again a Yerida, a drop. First he saw beautiful oxen, then he saw starving ones. And the stalks of wheat, the same thing. They were beautiful ripe ones, and then there were bare ones. And how the bare ones consumed the beautiful ones. Thereby leaving no remnants whatsoever of the good that was happening, the good that had transpired. A total destruction nullification and if we look in history all the world powers 
the nations that were world powers at one time, and today you don't even know what nation they were. They're not on the map. They're not on the map. They might be on the map still as far as a country is concerned, but they're not, a, not even a superpower. The world of Kedusha is perpetual. And therefore, when you talk about one Kedusha to the next Kedusha, it's only Mechayel Chayel. It only goes up. It only gets greater and greater. Whereas the Tzadshikinegan, as we call it, the opposite, has no substantiality. The difference between MS and Sheker. The world is an Alma de Shikra. The world is considered a world of, of a lie. A falseness. Because one simple explanation to it is everything is Hateva. Everything is by nature. But it's not by nature. It's only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing it. Only because the Almighty is making this happen. And therefore, whereas I think and I look at and I say I made a good business deal, I say I made a good transaction, it's not you. It's not you, Mr. Person. It's not you, Mr. Human Being or Mrs. Human Being. It's from Hashem. But it's done in such a way where you actually think you are in control. You actually did it. That means that is what Alma the Shikra reflects. When it comes to Kedusha, we don't have that. When it comes to Kedusha, comes to sanctity, and a Jew overcomes their hardships, their dark places, and confronts their trials and tribulations, you're leaving no credence no credibility to the other side of Kedusha. You're taking it, you're dissecting it, you're grinding it, till it becomes less and less and becomes nothing whatsoever. And the world of Kedusha needs Aveda. One needs to toil. Whereas in the other half, where it's not Kedusha, it happens and goes. And therefore, in order the world of Kedusha to remain, in order for it to remain perpetual, we have to work in a way of Mylan Bekedish. We can't be satisfied with what we did yesterday. Every day we need to take and we need to elevate and we need to go higher and higher. And this is what we see from the dream of Yesuf HaTzadik, that it doesn't go 
doesn't stay here in the world where he's re- taking together the wheat, but you need to rough instead of go shoot for the stars. There was a hunger in the land of Canaan, and therefore the people had to come and to Egypt because this hunger did not only happen the seven years of, of plenty and the seven years of hunger of death of devastation were not only Egypt but was worldwide and therefore the only place the food was was in, in Egypt and Yaakov sends although he had food but he sends because he had to look like everybody else was doing it his sons down to Egypt to get food Yosef heard about these people coming in. Yosef put his feelers up. He knew that they would be coming. And when they came, he told them all, he wanted them all gathered in his house. And he brought them into his room and he recognized each one of them. He knew their names, whereas they did not recognize him at all. A person that is looking for truth and once they come closer to Takaj Baruch, what they need what do they need to do? They first things first need to recognize all the falseness that goes on around them. And they need to shed all the false and the super superficialities, and they need to attach to the good and to the perpetualities and connecting with Akaj Baruch. His Taylor and his mitzvahs. The best way to do that, obviously, at least in first glance, is to run into a desert. To be somewhere where nature, it's all about nature. It's all about me and God. I have nothing and nobody out there that I have to connect to. Chassidus explains this is the reason that the Shvat and the Shifta Yudke chose to become shepherds they didn't want to get involved in any of the businesses they didn't want to be bound and tied with the concept with the worldly, worldly grind the idealism the idealism was just to become shepherds simple shepherds with their sheep, and they can sit and they can just relax and and detach themselves from the world and attach themselves to the spiritual realm. In the world of Kedusha and Tahara, they can sit and learn, and what are the sheep don't bother you. They're sitting and eating their grass, they're walking around. You don't need to constantly watch each and every one of them. They know how to stay in a flock. Few and far between stray, and they were able to sit and learn and do Kedush and Daven. When the brothers, these same brothers, now came down to Egypt and they meet their brother Yosef, who's ruling this whole land of Mitzrayim, Pasik says, he recognized them, they did not recognize him. What didn't they recognize? The simple explanation, he looked different. He had a beard now. 
He was more mature. He had a crown on his head. Royal garments sitting on a throne. They didn't even dream of associating. This is our brother Yosef. Whereas they were the still, shame, still, the, still the same shepherds. And therefore he was able to recognize them. They also didn't recognize the fact that a person can be involved with the world and still remain intact in the world realm of Kedusha. They themselves knew that if they get involved with the world, they're going to fall, be astray, go astray, whatever it might be. Whereas here is a fellow who's running a country on a daily basis, a business knocking away, selling food and handling and everything. And yet, he how would he possibly be able to remain connected to Hashem? It didn't work. It didn't jive. The only way to be connected to Hashem is out in the world of nature and out in the world where you can connect and do nothing else but be with Abishtah. But Yasef himself was way head and shoulders above his brothers. Even as a ruler in Mitzrayim. He had this whole nation on his head and he was totally involved with the, with the welfare of his nation but Yasef remained Yasef the Jew connected to his creator not only by just sitting and learning Tehran, not only by just sitting and being as and baited alone in the world without anything bothering him, no interferences even with the daily grind, he kept he kept it going. And therefore, the brothers they did not understand that they cannot grasp how it's possible to do both. How can you attach Hashem like this? The way of Yisuf Atzadik stands in a very very much a much higher level, because this is the tachlitz of creation. Hakadosh Baruch Hu created the world that each and every Jew should bring into it the light of Kedusha as we spoke about Hanukkah. And when a Jew is locked into his own four cubits, hides himself in his shell, he finds himself the best possible way to serve God without any kind of interferences. But the world doesn't become sanctified. It doesn't become bound to Kedushat It turned over him himself and his own behavior and to strengthen the marks that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts in the world. These are two different things. How can you do with worldly things and at the same time stay Kedusha? Whereas with a Jew lives in a world and he lives in the daily grind 
and still stays life keeps the life of a Jew without compromise, without pushing to the side even the core the, the dot of the yud. And he brings it in and he totally engraves it into this world. He proves that he can actually act and he, should, he can actually live the right way, the way Akash Baruch Hu wants us to be, and by keeping Kriyasita Matera, person provides in his own way and become the Asken Siburi and serve the Tzibur in clean hands and with Lemonus, and therefore the Tera, as the Tera requires of us, and the same way also by involving the Jew is machnes, he brings in HaKadosh Baruch into the world, the Tachlis HaShlemus. It's not easy. But in Am Yisrael, the entire Jewish nation is called Yosef. And therefore, we are Greya Katsen Yosef, and we have to take his lesson, his life, his way of going, to bring in, to incorporate in-world, Teda and Mitzvahs, and ultimately, bring about Ula Mitzvah HaShlema, Edei Mashiach Zedkenu, Shabbos and Afrelechen, end of Hanukkah, till Zeis Hanukkah, and we shtakel bidzeche to finish Hanukkah in Yerushalayim, and all our soldiers and children and their souls should be protected and come home in one piece, healthy and happy. Shabbos, Afrelechen, Hanukkah.